Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 254th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Fred Brown looking, oh, way to Worthy! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. Technical They're out foul. of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. And the party is ready to begin on Franklin Street. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebound. And May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champion pump fake for three too strong on the shot that's it the Tar Heels are the national daggum champion love guarded by Keels gets a screen pulls up for three got it Caleb from straight away this is the four corners podcast here are your hosts Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony, we're back with you guys once again today. After a a mini vacation on the podcast, it has been almost a month to the day since the last time we we recorded. And I wanted wanted to be made known, this, this has no, this isn't my fault at all. Oh, here we go. Uh, plenty of times I asked, lies, offered, this, beg- this I is, mean, e- even begged to just. This say- is actually, this is actually not at all what happened. I told you, by the way, and I would like the listeners' feedback on this because I think uh, just a comp- uh, just a horrendous decision by you. Um, I I said, and I quote, after the Jaron Stevenson. Commitment to Alabama, we need to do an addition of the podcast. You told me, no, we don't. <laughs> yeah, we didn't. And I don't really understand why. Um, still don't to this day understand why. That's a huge storyline. Not really. It's a guy from in-state going out of state. You are the guy, by the way, that has melted down saying if we lose a player in-state, it shows that Carolina's recruiting is not where it needs to be. And yet, for some reason... Didn't want to do an addition of the podcast. Yeah, last week. Not a whole lot to talk about. Last week, I said, I think we should do an addition of the podcast. You said, eh, all right. We throw one together, and then I got sick. But. See? Yeah, I mean, but I was. Yet, I was but will- again, who initiated. I was who willing and able. Um, my, who initiated this? I was doing the things you got to do to have your voice ready to talk at all times. So not doing anything. That's how committed to the craft I was. I was drinking the hot tea. I was I was squirting the throat coat. I was doing you know doing oh, my I never voice, never say that again. Doing my voice exercises like 
everything at all times of the day to keep my voice in top-tier shape because, I mean, I just love talking about the heels and love talking uh, Carolina basketball. So with this being the first show in about a month, we've got a jam-packed episode coming your way. Um, Some stories not so fun to talk about. Some others that are going to lead to an interesting discussion, mainly about this roster being built as the offseason continues. But before we get into any of that, we start every edition of the pod, as we always do, with our pod thought of the day. And, I mean, this one, I mean, uh, it reflects wow. directly on you, Anthony. Yeah, you. You. By the way, you were you have been resting this entire time. A little bit rusty here yeah. coming out, huh? You know. But yeah. uh, the quote is: That's what is I thought. "You can't get you can't get much done in life if you only work on the days when you feel good." I mean, if you would have felt good last week, we'd have had you know, um, an episode last week, an episode this week. More content for the people out there. Makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Can you tell the people what was being done while I was sick last week? How many, how many, how many uh Tar Heel football targets committed during that time, by the way? I mean that's, four in two days. So yeah, that's what I thought. You know, we're shut talk- your mouth and do the show. We're talking about talking though. Shut your mouth and do the show. I think this one though, I I think it directly reflects what this team did last year. This was a team that off of the the national title run from two years ago never put the work in in the summer that they needed to put the work in, and it reflected. Well, it's it's not, and and again, we are not guys that follow the that that are all you know at every practice, whatever. First of all, no media is, but the stories that have come out. That was another thing. If you go back to that Brennan Marks article that he wrote earlier this off season. One of the things that was talked about there was, and I forget, I, f- I forget which play ex player it was that came back to campus, and they were playing pickup games, and they said, "All right, we'll, uh, you know, let, let's run it back." It we'll, was Stackhouse we'll, and, or no, it was it was Vince Carter and Antoine Jameson. Yeah, yeah, it was Antoine Jameson, and he said, um, "Oh, it was on a podcast. That's yeah. what it was." And he said, uh, you know, let's let's uh, we'll we'll see you guys tomorrow, right? And they said, Nah, man, we'll, we'll maybe we'll uh, do something again next week, maybe. Yeah, like it's just it 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 was an odd mindset, and that's the thing when you heard this after the season, it really it made a lot of sense. You were kind of like, Yeah, yeah, I could see that now that you say that after the fact. So, yeah, what I mean, I. Just, just an odd. You would. It's so weird to try to figure it out. You would think that would be one of the most motivated teams in the history of the program, considering the way that they lost the year prior, and yet that just that just wasn't necessarily the case. The good news, though, is is that it seems like this team is taking a much different approach to this offseason. Yeah, no, I mean, everything that we're seeing from the, and of course, you know, the, the videos that they're going to put out, it's going to be pro Tar Heel propaganda. They're going to make you feel excited. But I've, I've, I've kind of mentioned this on, on this podcast, and when we've joined Isaac Shade over on the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, this does appear a group more together, more committed, because, you know, right now they're like, for the core of the group, RJ and Armando. You're still on the team that retired Coach K twice, 
but outside of that, you're you have an underwhelming legacy right now that you that you'd have you would have left behind and a chance to come back and really right all the wrongs from a year ago is really something that should push them to lead this team in a way where they can compete and go first off get back to the NCAA tournament and then and then make another deep run into March, hopefully that first weekend into April. Now we're gonna do the difficult part which is transition to two storylines that um are, are really are really difficult to talk about. And that's that the, the the Carolina family lost two members since I guess within the last week or so. Um, we'll start with Cecil Exum passing away at the age of sixty, a member of the nineteen eighty two national championship team. He died on Monday um in a Los Angeles uh in a Los Angeles hospital um with severe lung complications and um you know whenever you talk about the 82 team you know you, you talk about MJ and Worthy and, and those guys but we've seen members from the 82 team kind of show publicly their condolences for them because while this wasn't a name that you recognized this was still a part of the Carolina family, and you know, for guys that you know, we get to see up close uh, every week here at the station. And Matt Doherty, his his passing um, deeply impacted them, and it was it was a really sad story that that came out last week or so. Well, yeah, I mean, a guy that was a, a deeper bench player on that '82 team, but a guy that a lot of people on the '82 team have spoken up about since then. Um, and, you know, I've said great things about a guy that, you know, impact was felt outside of Chapel Hill, probably a little bit more than it was, uh, you know, on campus. He was a guy that was very influential in the growth of Australian basketball. Uh, that's where he went and played his professional basketball, um, you know, after his time in Chapel Hill. And, of course, most people – well, probably, you know, what what you probably remember him for the most is him being the father of Dante Exum, who, you know, came over from Australia, was drafted inside of the top five in the NBA draft. His NBA career hasn't really panned out. Um, I believe, I'm if I remember correctly, isn't he attempting to make a comeback to the NBA this offseason? I think that was one of the storylines with him. Um, but yeah, I mean, a guy that had a big influence uh, in and on the growth of the game globally, um, and and you know, someone that is a part of the Tario family and a part of a special team uh, that Coach Smith, uh, you know, led to a national championship. So uh, definitely sad, and especially you know, at the age of sixty, um, you know, to hear him pass away from from lung complications is is what the article said. Uh, that was written about him uh, out there in uh, Los Angeles. It just it's it's incredibly sad to hear. And uh, of course, uh, we are praying for uh, the Exum family and friends and uh, everybody that was close to Cecil. Yeah, and um, you know, unfortunately, that wasn't the only the only death in in the Carolina basketball family. JV player George Hill, um, he passed away in a car accident, and this is a guy that. Um, was a senior that was planning to go to, to medical school once he got his bachelor degree. And, um, you know, one of the things that makes Carolina so unique is that they're still one of the major programs that that, that has a, a, a JV program, and they still schedule games and play pretty regularly. And you see guys move up from JV, JV to the varsity, 
and eventually earn a scholarship. And most big time programs now don't don't even do that sort of thing. But it was something that was a big part of the Carolina way established under Coach Smith, carried through under Coach Williams, and now of course here with with, with Coach Davis. And um, you know, just 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 another real sad story. Um, and it's 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 really heartbreaking. Um, to, to see this type of this type of thing happen, um, and like I said, this guy that was going to be a senior was wanting to go to medical school, had his life ahead of him. Once he got done, you know, with his career at at, at or his his career as a JV basketball player at Carolina and hitting and getting his degree, but um, you know that 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 unfortunately didn't happen. So, just a real rough week in 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 the Carolina basketball family with with with, with this type of news and. Um, like you said, when it came to Cecil Exum, our, our thoughts and prayers go out to George Hill and his family as well. And everybody involved. It was a two-car accident that he was involved in. So, of course, anybody else uh, that is involved in that uh, in that unfortunate situation. But, yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, it's one of those sad times. And what what what, what sucks is that it usually seems like when these types of things happen, they come in twos or threes. It seems like a lot of these things sort of stack up together um, you know, both both so very young, but especially George Hill to be that young. Um, you know, to, to entering his senior year in Chapel Hill uh, was looking to you know ad- advance his education past you know just his bachelor degree. Uh, once he finished that up this year, uh, and, and and getting a chance to play basketball at Carolina, even if it's not with the varsity team. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, look, you never really know. You could have gotten the call up, especially this year, uh, with the amount of roster spots that Carolina would have had available. He could have been one of those guys that was primed to be on this roster this year, uh, even if he was just a guy that's that's on the end of the bench that, you know, is part of the blue squad. That means something to a lot of these kids. So you just hate it, and, and yeah, you're, you're, you're praying for the family uh, during this difficult time. And, and everybody, you know, involved with the JV basketball program as well. You have to make sure uh, that you say that uh, as well because this was a guy that, you know, had played with them last year, I know for sure. I would imagine he probably played uh, a couple of years prior to that um, as well. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely got to be affecting – uh, the Carolina basketball family uh, as a whole. So, yeah, real sad week around Tar Heel basketball, but hopefully, you know, we'll have some topics here on the show that'll be able to lift the spirits a little bit of uh, of those that, uh, you know, maybe may, maybe suffering through a tough week. And yeah, now we'll make the transition out of that topic into um, Carolina missing out on Jaron Stevenson, um, and we are going to discuss it. In, oh, in, about in, time! All in, right, in this in this podcast, simply because, like, I'm gonna be honest with you, because I complained about it enough. Well, no, like, it, oh, okay. we we didn't do a full episode because it didn't warrant a full episode. Um, you know, following his recruitment and stuff like that after he was on campus, I think it was I think it was June 9th whenever he visited. I, I think we all just kind of felt like after he visited and left without committing and reclassifying, he probably wasn't coming. Um, and, you know, he goes to Alabama where he reclassifies and, and will join Nate Oates in the, in the Crimson Tide this year. He picked Bama over Carolina and Virginia. But, you know, like the thing was was that had he come to Carolina, he wasn't going to reclass. He was going to stay in the 2024 class. And really, once that news kind of was leaked out, and that and that part of the recruitment was 
uh, made known, I, I, I pretty much just came to the conclusion that he wasn't coming here. Um, and, you, you know, when you, you look at it on the surface, like he plays a position where you need to fill some depth on your roster and stuff like that. The more that I, I, I thought about it, how much was this guy going to contribute this year? Deep down, I didn't feel like it was going to be, you know, a lot. And look, I, I, I do hate missing out on in-state guys. I, I really do. But I also feel like, for the most part, Huber Davis has gotten some really good ones from the local area to, to, to stay um, in, in in the state and, and come play for the flagship university, um, which, is, of course, is, is, is UNC. But, you know, obviously you felt otherwise because you thought we should have had a, a, a whole edition dedicated to him going – to Alabama, so do you think this was was a big miss for Hubert Davis and the staff not keeping him here locally and coming up to play at Chapel Hill? Well, I mean, I guess it really just depends on what he what he was telling these different staffs. If he was telling Hubert Davis and his staff, "Look, I believe that I should be coming in here and starting, or at least being the sixth man," then yeah, you probably dodged a bullet because this is a guy that is incredibly raw. I mean, he is I, I, He's probably right there, honestly, with where I'm saying from this year. If he stays in the 24 class, no, probably much a much different player. But in terms of his body size, in terms of his maturity for the game, this is a legitimate high school junior that is reclassing. So he is a 17-year-old kid that's coming up. The guys that we were talking about in, you know, Elliot – Cadeau, who did reclassify, guy that's going to be 19, and a guy in Ian Jackson who, yeah, he, he's, I believe he's 17, maybe 18 at this point, but we've mentioned multiple times with Ian Jackson, he has played on a lot of FIBA U18 teams. Mm-hmm. He has played in a lot of different, on a lot of different stages. We don't really hear that about Jaron Stevenson. So if he, now, for, for Carolina's perspective, yeah, you, you probably shouldn't be thrilled that you missed on him because in terms of a roster spot, he is a better option than any other person that you could add to this roster before what happened at West Virginia. And that's the thing. If you go back at the time when, it, when it, Carolina missed on him, the fallout from what happened with Bob Huggins had yet to happen. So you didn't know that, okay, there is going to be a rush of players from West Virginia that are going to enter the transfer portal. These are guys that probably fit Carolina a little bit better in terms of what they need right now, in terms of the roles that they'll probably play. Um, but, I, I mean, yeah, at the time, I, I thought this is this is a tough one for Carolina to miss on because, frankly, they just need to add more talent to the roster because, to me, I just I did not see – I, I and I still don't see a way where you can go into the season having three walk-ons get scholarships. I just it can't happen. You need to add more guys to this roster. Yeah, and I I I think they will, but I I think what you're seeing is they're going to be filler guys. They're going to be guys that you're giving scholarships because you have you have scholarships to give. And I mean, Jaron Stevenson to me would be a pretty high-end filler guy with a lot of upside. Here's the thing. Um are we gonna miss not having to talk, uh, having to talk through people why he's not playing? Because that was gonna be the thing. Is was if he committed, 
And now, like, had he straight up committed to Carolina and stayed in, in, in the 24 class, would have been excited and stuff like that. But there was pressure from the outside in for him to to commit and reclass this year. Well, well at like, this like, here's point. Here's the thing. He wasn't going to play a whole lot. I mean, he would have been a, a traditional, I'm gonna, you're going to play in November, maybe in December, and then he would have sat the bench. Um, we, we, We've had to talk about it with last year with Jalen Washington about why he wasn't getting enough burn and stuff like that. I'm not interested in doing that again because that type of talk is exhausting. Well, you're, here's the thing, though. The argument against that is you're going to have to do that with every single player that they bring in. I'm going to tell you, get prepared. You will have to do that with Zayden High. Now, the people that will be arguing that know absolutely nothing about the player coming out of high school. Because I have told you multiple times from watching him in the Geico Nationals and from watching him in a couple other games earlier in the year, there is potential there, but this dude is raw. It's going to take him time to be a contributor. But the problem is is that we've seen this mindset from all of the guys that Carolina has brought in here recently, especially this last freshman class. Like, again, any other Tar Heel recruiting class – People would scoff at a guy like Tyler Nickel basically throwing a hissy fit because he's not playing enough. Well, you know, the transfer portals made it easier for guys to quit on situations. But you're talking about a dude that barely ranked inside the top 100 in his recruiting class. And people are saying, this dude needs to be playing significant minutes or he's transferring. Like, this is the point that you are at. So, no matter who it is, you are going to be having those conversations. My thing with Jaron Stevenson is for Carolina to, for, to, to play him in the role that he should be playing this year. At Alabama, he will not be. They are going to play him a significant amount, and he is going to get exposed. I guarantee oh, well, you. You're talking about a guy that, yes, a great high school player. I believe he played it at the two-way level. This wasn't a guy that was playing at the highest level of high school basketball. Exactly. And Smaller, it, it, I mean, very thin-framed guy. Like, he's going to have to put on some weight. And that's why I didn't think, like, when it was all said and done, I wasn't like, man, we're really missing here. Like, I would have loved to have him in 24. I'd have loved to have him come in and, and join that class that Hubert Davis is still going to put together. And even with Cadu or, or with Cadeau reclassifying, unless Ian Jackson pulls a Simeon wheelchair and, and backs out of his commitment, it's still going to be a relatively good class. This guy, like he wasn't going to do anything for you this year, because his body just simply isn't isn't ready to contribute. He's probably going to learn that the hard way down in Tuscaloosa. So that's why I was just kind of like, I mean, no hard feelings. Like you're you're making a decision that's best for you. But from Carolina's perspective, I wasn't sitting there saying, man, really concerned about if if Huber Davis and this staff can recruit because a a, a four star from the two way level is reclassifying a full year early to go play in the SEC, which is an improving basketball conference, as we've seen the last couple of years. The biggest issue with Carolina missing out on Jaron Stevenson and him deciding to go to Bama and not reclassify and join the program this year is that Carolina still has or had three scholarships that they need to fill before the upcoming year. And... Luckily, thankfully, I, I feel like we all were very optimistic that this guy was going to end up in Chapel Hill. That being the West Virginia transfer, James Okonkwo. B. 
beautiful. You know, I beautiful. I, we did, did did a lot of pronunciation of trying to get that name right. You spent so when we were on our way here to record this podcast, you spent roughly 15 minutes in the car trying to figure out how to pronounce this kid's name. And by the way, you completely butchered it every time but about the last three. Yeah, you know, talking is not one of my strong suits. No, why would is, it be? It's just kind of problematic because I get paid for to talk for a living. But uh, uh, he was supposed to visit campus on July 24th, um, roughly two and a half weeks away from, from, from now, and instead, the day after the 4th of July, we go ahead and get an early commitment from him. He he, he commits Wednesday, uh, early evening, uh, late afternoon ish. And, and this, and like I want to preface this because like I, I got I got a lot of just negative comments. No, shocking. You know, shocking. on on Facebook about the transfer because you look at his numbers. Are they anything to brag about? Two and a half points, three three point two rebounds. No, he now he did shoot fifty seven percent from the field in his limited shots last year, but like this was a filler scholarship. This now gives Schubert Davis more depth in the front court. He's got some athleticism where he can do some really nice things for you. You look at his blocks per forty uh, minutes statistic. He, he is a legitimate rim protector, something that doesn't exist on this roster right now. And there was just all this. Oh, we're we're uh, we're, we're recruiting guys that you know they're they're not going to be uh, impactful players. Great, great impression. You know, my my, my good buddy Josh Graham oh. spent a whole segment of his show yesterday on the drive saying that Carolina's recruiting players that they're not going to play. By the way, um, good buddy. I, oh yeah. I don't think I don't think he would. Uh, I don't think he would. He would back you up on that one. You know what? Next time we have him on, I will sit in and I will ask him the question of if he considers you a good buddy. You know, if we're that's not, aggressive. if we're not, it's going to really change my opinion of him in the in a, in a negative way. Um, I've brought him on my podcast many times. I give him the platform. What is many? Like three? I give him the platform to I talk about the aggressive. team. I think and, this is aggressive. You know, we shook hands at ACC Media Days. Oh, uh, you know what? You may have that. Although he did shake hands with me as well. He's a very nice guy. Yeah, so, very nice guy. you know, I feel like he likes me more, than, taker, he, more than he likes you. And that's why I wow. went with good buddy. And Wow. But hot, like he, hot taker, though. He spent a whole time, a whole segment of his show yeah. in the middle of July, mind you. Like, and, wow. dude, I love college basketball. It's, it's what I'm here for. It's my favorite sport. It's why I have the career that I have. I don't know if I was if I if I was a sports talk show host, I'd be carving out a segment in the middle of July to talk about college basketball recruiting. About well, Hubert Dave was just recruiting guys. He's not going to play. Can we say the quiet part out loud here? You should not want this guy to play. Well, here's the thing. Yes, yes, yeah, a hundred percent. I said this to you yesterday. I said if he's playing, then this is this year, mind you. He's still got. I mean, he's he's still got time to go you know so he's a guy that can develop but if he's playing this year that means that there is a serious probably a serious injury to either Baycott or Washington now I will say this this is very helpful because we've seen last few years last couple of years I should say Armando Baycott has had the ankle issues where he you know once or twice a year he's going to roll his ankle so, yeah. 
This gives you a little bit of assurance back there. It's also like this is one of those ones you're kind of just taking a shot in, a, in in the dark. He was a guy that you didn't know was going to be in the transfer portal. He ends up being out there, and he can do some things. I'll, I'll say this. He can do some things that guys on this roster cannot do. So do I think he could be a guy that eventually sees some playing time? Yeah, sure. But, like, you, sh- you, you should not have been looking at this pickup and saying, well, I don't really understand why Carolina, you know, would go out and get a guy like this to fill a roster spot. Here's the thing. If you don't go out and get him, you're giving the scholarships to three walk-ons. You think those guys are making more contributions than he's going to make? Well, the, the the biggest thing is that, and look, this is what happens when you go 20-13 and 13 at Carolina, when you're preseason number one, a trendy pick to, if not, if not win the national title, at least get back to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. You kind of put yourself in a no-win situation as the head coach. Um, and then that's where that's and that's where Hubert Davis finds himself today. Doesn't matter what he does, how he does it, there are going to be people. Um, and, and look, this is coming from a guy that has complained a lot about our head coach the last two years. No, oh, stop it. There are going to be Not people you. that are going to complain about him, but you know, like I look at this move and I'm like, you you know what we have that we haven't had since Coach Williams's last year as our as our head coach. You've got four bigs. Got a little bit of depth. You've too. got legitimate depth, a little bit more experience with him joining the roster. Um, I think a lot of people are paranoid that this guy's gonna take away minutes and 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 and, and burn for Jalen Washington. I don't think that happens unless Oconquo just earns it. Yeah, and and then and and I gotta be honest. If that happens, then why are you complaining about that? Yeah, exactly. So I, I just, you know, this yeah. this this takes a lot of pressure off Zayden High to be a contributor this year. That bingo, that's yeah. the biggest thing. Yes, a guy that we have both. You know, from the moment that Carolina got involved with him to the moment that they landed him, even with him arriving on campus, Zayden High is going to be a good basketball player at North Carolina. He's not going to be a good basketball player in 2023-2024. Well, I mean he could be, but and like that's it's, okay. it, it's in a limited role. Like he's he's a guy that needs time to develop. I know that is a foreign that that is something that is almost foreign at this point to the game of college basketball with the transfer portal era, but look, man, he's a guy that's that it, he's coming in. It's going to take him a little bit of time to develop because I, I saw him at the, at the prep level and he wasn't a guy that was taking over games. And that's fine. You don't – I mean, you didn't necessarily need that guy in the front court. That's why Armando Baycott's back. That's why Jalen Washington's there. Now, he's going to be a guy that will hopefully stretch the floor a little bit for you, but that's why you went out and got Jalen Withers. That's why you've got Harrison Ingram in there. So – Carolina's okay. That's the thing is that now you've got a situation on your hands where both of those big men, High and Oconquo now, they they can come in and develop their games a little bit, which is probably what both guys need. I think, you know, talent level wise, both guys, if they need if if they end up having to play, even if it's not significant minutes, but if they still have to contribute at some point because of injuries. I think they're more than capable of doing that. Um, and, and I told you, I, w- I watched a little bit of Oconquo's game yesterday that he played in the uh, it's the FIBA uh, U20 um, tournament that, that's going on right now. And he plays for Great Britain, 
He had 12 points, 10 rebounds, 3 blocks. And granted, you're not playing against the best competition in the world. Also, he played great for Great Britain, huh? By any stretch. I mean, but but in all seriousness, outside of that cheesy joke that you just have to throw in there once an episode and probably is costing us listeners, <laughs> I mean, the guy, I, I thought the way he protects the rim, that's the thing that stands out the most and should stand out the most for Tariel fans. And Carolina is. hasn't had that. I mean, you look at the, the, the quartet of bigs that they played Coach Williams' last year here. Mm-hmm. You had Garrison Brooks, you had Dayron Sharp, you had Armando Baycott, you had Walker Kessler. Walker Kessler was the best rim protector on the on, on the team on the roster, and he didn't emerge until like the second the second half of the second half of the year. And that that wasn't exactly like his his biggest strength. He was a guy that we looked when we when we first brought him in here, we thought to ourselves, okay, this is a guy that's going to be able to score the ball inside at a high level, stretch the floor. His rim protection was something that was kind of like an added bonus, but that wasn't his thing. This is this is what Okonkwo does. Mm-hmm. His focus is on the defensive end of the floor. He, he turns defense into offense. And the other thing that I noticed that you'll like a lot about him is he, he runs the floor very well. Which works in really handily so, if, if- – whether it's Elliot Cadeau or Seth Trimble running that second unit as a big guy that just wants to clean the glass and, and, and run run his tail off 94 feet down the other way. Like, you look at the rim protection stuff that, that he can provide this roster. In this era of everybody shooting, you know, in the college level, 25 threes a game or whatever, rim protection is, isn't as valued as it was the last couple of years or, you know, when we first got into the sport. But you can look at Carolina's inability to, to 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 defend the rim and the paint, and it really be a big bugaboo about why they haven't gone deeper in tournaments or won a national championship. You look at the 2018 blowout loss to Texas A&M in the second round of the tournament in Charlotte. That was an that was a that was an undersized team that got beat by Robert Williams, who was just a mammal. You look at that 2019 team, that team that was... Who was just a mammal? Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, well, he's human, so he's all automatically a mammal. I was going to say, sure. a, a, you know, a manimal, but that just didn't sound that didn't sound as good as just like You could have just gone with animal, but yeah. go on, go on. Um, you look at 2019, like one of the biggest concerns about that team entering the tournament was could they, could they hold their own if they got against a, a team with a big? Unfortunately, they didn't have to worry about that. Auburn shot them out of the tournament. Uh, of course, 2020 we sucked, and COVID canceled wow. the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're right. You know, 20, a bit harsh. 21, yes. you had all of that. You had all that size, but you know, inexperience. Last year, not 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 a lot of rim protection, but you got all the way to the national championship, and then this past season, you know, you had no rim protection, and and I do think it played a role. I like, look at Carolina's, uh, you know, you look at the losses to Duke and stuff like that, losses that kept them out of the tournament. And so this is a big thing, and it, it gives Carolina a different dimension. And I've, I've I've said this really since since Hubert Davis cleansed the roster and started rebuilding it. This is what his roster is. This is what he wants his roster to look like. Yep. And even even a guy like Okonkwo, a guy that can do just some little things, some dirty things. And this team needs that. Like, cause we're there, there's going to come a point. It might be in the opener. It might come in Game Seven. Where we're gonna miss Leaky Black because that guy did all the little things, mm-hmm. and we're gonna realize, myself included, by God, the last five years we took that for granted. I mean, you should—no offense—you should have realized that a long time ago. I mean, yeah, as an offensive player, he was a guy that was limited, but 
I mean, if, if you didn't value what he brought to this team, especially the last year and a half of his time there, I, I, I just I don't know what to tell you. Like, he was – you talk about everything that led to the run in the 22 tournament. Uh, he was a big part of that. You don't get there without him shutting down all of the different high-volume scores that he did over and over again. So, yeah, I mean, that, that's the thing is that you you need some guys that are going to be defense first, and I think that Okonkwo can be that. To me, like, what I would look at him as is if he's at his, if he's at his best, he is a junior, so he only has two years remaining, but if he's at his best, wouldn't him being a guy kind of like, I don't know, I mean, you'll you'll remember the name. Remember Justin Knox when Carolina mm-hmm. got him as an Alabama transfer? He averaged about 14 minutes a game. I don't know if Okonkwo would ha- will average that many minutes. But I think if you know if you can get him you know close to 9, 10 minutes a game, something like that, I I wouldn't be opposed to that. And I think I I think there is a skill set there. You know, when I watched him yesterday, he's got to get better finishing inside. I think that's that's definitely something that's holding him back a little bit. But I I think his post positioning was really good. I I thought he you know did a great job of sort of freeing himself up and taking good shots. It's just you know it it he is a little bit limited with his ability to finish. That's the thing that's probably going to keep him from having a bigger impact on this team. But if I, I'm going to tell you right now, if if you're a guy that can defend and run the floor, especially with Elliot Cadeau coming in, I, I I think there there could be a role for you on this team. So yes, this is a little bit of roster filler, but at the same time, it's also a guy that kind of fits the direction that Carolina is going. So I I love it. Yeah, I mean, look, this this wasn't uh, an addition that you know got me hot in the shorts. It didn't make me say this team is now wow going to win an ACC regular season championship. But or... who else? Here's the here's the question for people that are saying that, oh, this isn't a big enough pickup. Who else are you adding to this roster? Well, there's nobody, point? but yeah. but I look at this move and say he brings something to this roster that this roster doesn't have. He has an ability to carve out a role. He adds more depth to the front court, which takes pressure off Armando Baycott to have to play 36 minutes a night and not get into foul trouble. So there is going to be value in this addition um, the last thing, really, before we move on to some closing notes and stuff like that, this kind of feels like Carolina's last move in free uh, in 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 the transfer portal. <laughs> I was about to say free agency. You know what? At because this that's point, basically what it is. At this point, yeah, you might um, as well call it that. You know, because Carolina's just been really quiet, and there hasn't been a whole lot of movement until Okonkwo entered the transfer portal, and that only happened because Bob Huggins, you know, the vile human being that he is. You know, um, well, they, well, they did get involved with his teammate as well, but yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I I think now, unless unless there is a scenario where a coach gets fired, you know, in the middle of this off season here, which I don't think there's anybody that's a candidate, it'd have to be something unexpected like with Bob Huggins. I just I just don't see there being anybody else entering, and we've I, like I said a minute ago, we've looked around the rest of the portal. There's there's really nothing left. Like most of the guys that are would be contributors have already been snatched up, and I think I I've gotten to the point where and and I said this I said this earlier when we were talking about Jaron Stevenson I'm comfortable with two walk-ons getting scholarships yes. now without deep this roster is that I was just with three that's where I started to get a little concerned 
especially if one of those injuries that I talked about happens up front to Armando or to Jalen Washington. Now, I feel like you feel more comfortable about where they're at. Yeah, no, that's that. That's exactly where I am. And if, if Carolina uses their last two scholarships on walk-ons, I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. because. So when are we doing the addition of the podcast where we make our cases for the two guys that should get the walk-on scholarship positions. Uh, next week, next Beautiful. Tuesday is kind of what I had in mind. Beautiful. Um, so yeah, you know, I'm I'm happy that uh, that 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 Okonkwo is going to be in Chapel Hill. He is going to be a Tar Heel. He's gonna he's gonna have something to add to this team and something to prove to himself. Moving from West Virginia to a, a higher basketball program like Carolina, and so we we can't wait to see him. Um, and see what he adds to this team in 2023 and 24. Some quick notes for you guys before we do get out of here. The NBA Summer League gets officially underway this weekend. You had the, the California Classic going on, uh, but that came to a close. Now the now the Summer League does, does shift to Vegas starting on Friday. Four heels on Summer League rosters, Leaky Black. He got the Carolina, uh, the, the 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 Carolina spot that the Hornets save every year for the summer. He's with the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, Brady Manick back stateside after a successful stint down in Australia. Um, he's on the Atlanta Hawks summer league. Mm-hmm. You've got Pete Nance because he's you know every Nance is required to play for the Cleveland Cavaliers in some capacity. He's on an Exhibit Ten contract with Cleveland, and then Garrison Brooks, a guy that. Um, as much as any person that is, has transferred out of the program but is still a part of Carolina basketball because he's been back in Chapel Hill for over the summer, he's signed a summer league deal with New Orleans. He, by the way, we're not going to let you in on this because we may end up doing this edition of the podcast down the line and we don't want to tip you off. We want you to be a little surprised. He may have single-handedly inspired a topic. Yeah, on the shell. So yeah, stick around for that. Yeah, the the, the best glassing wearing Tar Heels of all time. That's what the podcast oh, is going to be. Man. Um, and then lastly, a little bit of schedule news. Um, Carolina will take on Tennessee as a part of the first annual ACC SEC challenge. I, I I don't really know what to do with this. Um, because you know the lazy thing would have been to do it was to have them play Kentucky. Because it's Carolina and Kentucky. Well, I don't. Uh, is it safe to say nobody saw what actually happened with Kentucky? I did. I and and look, it makes some sense because Miami's a team on the rise. I would not have guessed that in a million years. Is the game in Miami or is it in Lexington? Because like if it's, I believe that is in Lexington. Oh, then yeah, then that that's a bad schedule. If that game was in Miami, it makes a lot of sense. We know how hard it is to go there and win. And we know Laranega is a heck of a coach, but Carolina, Tennessee, Rick Barnes. Why? That's that's why. Out of all the teams that you could have given Carolina, why? Why did you have to give us Rick Barnes? I hate playing this. Team. Yeah, I I I, oh, I don't like playing God. Tennessee. Um, at least it's at home because Thompson Bowling Arena, not an easy place to go play. Um, you, you know, Arkansas gets Duke at home. 
So just from an environment standpoint, well, we did avoid that. I yeah, I, I would say I'd rather play Tennessee in in, in the Smith Center. Yeah, because I sure. said this on the air here at the station. Um, babies will be conceived in Fayetteville when Duke comes to town. Wow, that's extreme. In a, in a rematch of the uh, uh from '94, so that that'll be well, it it won't be it won't be the Duke folks that'll be conceiving babies. We've seen some of their folks before. <laughs> yeah, wow. so um, but the Carolina Tennessee in the ACC SEC Challenge and. And Carolina's got another loaded schedule. Um, it's going to get them ready for the ACC season, and um, you know, hopefully, they 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 fare a lot better in the non-conference portion this year, as opposed to last year, to really set them up for a competitive conference year as they hope to make their return to the NCAA tournament. Well, with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to visit the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com. Like, like Anthony said, a lot of football recruiting news is on the website as the as football recruiting is marching forward. Pretty soon we'll be getting you ready for the upcoming season with position previews and the like. And any news on the basketball front that that, that, that is out there to be written about and talked about, you can find that as well at HeelToughBlog.com. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the offseason. Well, what that is going to wrap up this edition of the show. want to thank Anthony once again for hosting with me. We want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels!